0: Get your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Proverbs. The biggest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of the Bible, and the book of Proverbs is the one right after that. So it's super easy to find. Proverbs chapter 31 is where we're going to be. Very familiar passage. Proverbs is also a great place if you're new to reading the Bible. It's a great place to start because almost every verse in the book of Proverbs has a great lesson for us. And there's 31 chapters, so it works well, 31 days in a month. If you want to read, read one chapter a day and you will be overwhelmed with the love and instruction from God. We're going to be looking at a few verses in chapter number 31 today. Like I said, it's a very popular passage because it's the passage that talks about a virtuous woman. And many people teach and believe that these, this passage is outdated today. But I have a stand here to tell you today that anything that God has given to us is not outdated. It is still in date. Now, we need to be discerning when we read the Bible because there are some portions of the Bible that were not written to us. As a matter of fact, a lot of the Bible was not written to us. It's still valuable for instruction, it's still valuable for principle, but sometimes the direct application is not appropriate. For example, when Joseph, when the angel came and gave the command to Joseph to take the child and flee into Egypt, we understand what was going on, we understand the principle, but that command isn't a command for us. We're not supposed to take our children and flee into Egypt. But most of the book of Proverbs, are commands that are still in, in place and still direct today. And this passage on the virtuous woman is something that men and women need to read. Men, we need to know what a virtuous woman looks like today. Women need to know what a virtuous woman looks like today. Now, this is the ideal. Many times in the Bible, we see the ideal, and, and when we compare ourselves to the ideal, we come up short. That's okay. That's okay. He gives us room for improvement. When we are speaking of the ideal, we're talking about the perfect. And very few of us ever achieve that level of perfection. No amens for me? Nothing? Okay. We're going to look at four things today about the virtuous woman. I'm trying to get this very, very quickly. By the way, if I can get done as quick as I did last week, which is my goal here, which means we'll probably go about 15 minutes over. But if I can get done as quick as I did last week, I'm going to open it up at the end so that you can tell us a little bit about your mom. Okay, so you've got like 30 minutes to think about something to tell us about your mom. Something that is G-rated and appropriate for the venue. Dean, I know your mom. I will tell her if you say anything bad about her. Proverbs chapter number 31 Verse number 10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh, diligently, worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. So the first thing we see about this virtuous woman is we see her value. In essence, she's priceless. There is no price placed upon a virtuous woman. It says that she's more even than precious stone. She's worth more. Rubies were something that were very prized and, and exceptional in this day. And so they're comparing her to this, saying she's beyond that. Most people of this day haven't even seen rubies, much less been able to own rubies. And they're saying a virtuous woman, she's more than that. She's better than that. She's also somebody that's trustworthy. Her husband doesn't have to worry about her. Notice what it says there. She, in, in verse number 11, the heart of her husband, she doth safely trust in her. He doesn't have to wonder if he has to go out of town for business or go to the next village or, or, or go out to, the, uh, to tend the field. He doesn't have to worry about what she's doing because she's doing what's best for him and what's best for the family. He can trust her. He can trust the heart. And she treats him good. And she doesn't treat him with evil. I see a trend in our communities today, and a lot of it's boistered by, by television. If you turn on almost any sitcom today, the foil of most of the jokes is the father or the husband. They're made to be buffoons and incompetence. And so and that's trended into our society where I'll talk to women or I'll hear women talking, and, and every other thing they say out of their mouth is, is something bad about their husbands. Ladies, you can't do that. That's not what a virtuous woman does. I know your husband's not perfect. He's a man. And there's very few of us, again, that are perfect. So I know you don't have a perfect one because my wife has a perfect one. (laughs) Here's a serious question for you. How many of you... and, and? Some of my wife's closest friends are in this room, and I want you to be completely honest with this question. I already know the answer. How many of you have ever heard my wife badmouth me? Anybody? Is that because I'm perfect? Maybe. (laughs) You know why? She's a virtuous woman. I remember once the the kids told us one time that there's something wrong with us because we never fight. And I never really thought, of, we don't fight, and we never fought in front of our kids. And even when we would fight, it wasn't really a fight-fight, it was a disagreement, you know, we would discuss things. And I never really thought about that until, until they mentioned it. But we don't fight-fight, we disagree. We're different people, come from very different backgrounds, have very different, uh, we look at the world very, very differently because of that. And, but we, we try to respect each other's position, and we try to come to an understanding We go to the Word of God, and since both of us are are drawn to the Word of God, that helps most of our disagreements. Because most of our disagreements are easily solved by saying, "What does the Bible say?" And then, if all else fails, she knows I'm right. But this, 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 this—even though I make a joke of it—this should be the standard. Ladies, your husband should have no bigger cheerleader than you, without a doubt. Nobody should be a bigger cheerleader. For your husband. And your children need to see that. They need to see that modeled. And then notice that the last part says she she goes, she is like the or first let's go back to verse thirteen says, She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ship, she bringeth her food from afar. One of the characteristics of a virtuous woman is is she takes the things that she has at hand, that she takes the things that she's able to go out and get, and she makes something bigger and better out of them. What is that thing? Maybe it's clothing. Maybe it's food. You know, almost anything that we give to a woman, a virtuous woman, is made better by placing in her hands. Guys, we would do well by placing more into our wife's hands to allow them to make bigger and make better. Verse number 15 says, She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. A virtuous woman takes care of her family. You notice what she's doing here? She's getting up before everybody else to make sure that everything's right, not just for her husband, but for her kids. And for her maidens, in other words, the people that serve her, work in her household, work around her, she gets up early to make sure they have everything they need to be successful. She does it early in the morning when nobody's watching because she's not doing it for, for um, compliments. She's not doing it so people will see what she's doing. She's doing it to make sure her family has what they need. And she takes the excess, the excess from her hands, from the things that she's made out of the wool and the flax, the excess of the food that she's made. She's taken those things and she's she's sold those things. We'll see more about that in a minute, but what does she do? She doesn't take that money to benefit herself. She takes that money and she buys a field and grows a vineyard. Why? Because that will continue to produce for her family. It'll continue to pour things into her family. Now, I'm a firm believer and I think the Bible backs this up that the man should be the breadwinner of the family. But it's also very, very clear that it does not exclude women from working. As a matter of fact, these verses and many other verses kind of show that it's, it's what's expected. They're supposed to help supplement. They're supposed to help t- to raise money to take care of the family, to help the family to afford things and be able to do things. Verse number 20. She stretch, stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh the fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. A virtuous woman is one that thinks of others. You'll see very little in here about the virtuous woman and anything she thinks of herself. Her attention is almost always on others, not just her family, not just her husband, not just her children, but upon those that are around her that are, that are needy, those that are around her that are hungry, she stretches out her hand to the poor. She reaches forth her hand to the needy. She helps those that are less fortunate. From the excess that she has, that she's raised in her family, she uses that excess not just to buy land, but also to be able to reach out to the, the needy around her. She's also prepared, she's not worried about the snow coming. She knows the snow is going to come eventually. She knows that turmoil is going to come. She knows that bad weather is going to come. And she's not worried. Why? Because she made preparations. She doesn't wait for the storms to get here. She's already prepared for the storms before they get here. So she doesn't worry about the snow because she knows her house will be warm. Because she's provided the clothes. She's provided what they need. She keeps her her husband's honor. Her husband's known at the gates because she hasn't done anything to embarrass him. She hasn't done anything to distract him. She's not bad-mouthing him. He's a man of honor. I couldn't think of another way of wording this. I don't like the way I'm wording this. But in short, she's not a burden on the family. She's a breadwinner. I don't like that word burden. I I rack my brain trying to think of a better word there. But unfortunately, we, we have some women that go the opposite direction and they expect their husbands to do everything. And they become a burden on their husbands. They become a burden on their families. And it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be partnerships. A husband and wife, they get married, they should be working together. And every step, they should be stepping together. They are stronger together than they are apart. Too many families, I see it seems like the, the wife is going one direction and the husband's going the other direction. And, and, and my wife and I, we get busy. And I'm not trying to put us up there as the perfect couple because we have a lot of shortcomings. But we get busy, but we we try very, very hard to make time for each other. It's it's rare, unless one of us is out, if she's out on a pet visit, um, that people don't see us together. Because we like spending time together. We like being together. We have lunch together almost every day. Not every day. Sometimes things get in the way, but almost every day. Whether it's at home, and we... Are able both to kind of meet there. Sometimes we've met in the park. You know, one of, one of us will run by uh, Publix and grab a couple subs and we'll, we'll meet in a park somewhere and we'll have our, our you know, 15 minute lunch where we wolf down half of a sub. Um, or sometimes we're able to sit down and, and actually go to a restaurant, and have a lunch. And, and you know, we, we try and plan those things out. We try to make those things a point of importance to spend that time together. Verse number 26 She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. We see that the, the virtuous woman is wise. When she speaks, it's kindness and it's wisdom. There's a way to say things, there's a way to do things, you can, you can rebuke almost anybody if you do it with kindness and with wisdom. My wife is much more gifted at that than I am. I have a tendency of being a little too abrasive sometimes. And so sometimes I let her do the talking, just because it avoids conflict down the road. But she can take things and say things that where I want to go snatch somebody up by their, you know, their collar, she can say something and, and correct the problem with, with just a kind, wise word that Unfortunately, I lack sometimes, but she speaks with wisdom and kindness, not just wisdom, but wisdom with kindness. What's the difference? Well, wisdom, you can speak wisdom all day long, but sometimes wisdom can be can be spoken like a baseball bat. You ever meet one of those people that I just say whatever comes into my head? Well, it's because you're a third grader and you need to grow up. You may be speaking truth. Well, it's truth. Okay, it's truth, but it's not wisdom with kindness. The southern woman is great with this. You ever talk to a true southern woman, and then 10 minutes later you realized she just verbally spanked you, and you thanked her at the end? <laughs> southern women are great at that. They still catch me off guard. But it's because when they speak, they speak with Honey. It's truth, but you have the feeling that they truly care about you. They're not just rebuking you. They truly care about you. It's important that we, we foster that, men and women both, we foster that in our lives. Notice also she keeps busy. She doesn't let idleness in her house. She doesn't let idleness in her life. She doesn't allow idleness because she knows that idleness isn't productive for her or for her family. So she continually is doing something, working on something. She teaches her children wisdom. She teaches her children truth. Why why are her daughters done virtuously? Because she speaks truth to them. She praises her her children rise up and call her blessed because of what she's done for them, the instruction that she's given them. Verse 30 gives us a little bit of of a warning. Favor is deceitful. And beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruits of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Ladies, we like it when you try to make yourself look pretty, but beauty is vain. What does vain mean in the Bible? Vain means nothingness. In other words, it's just not important. None of the the qualities that make a woman virtuous are based upon her appearance. They're based upon how she treats herself, how she treats her children, and how she treats her husband. How she raises her family. It's a tough job. Uh, I've said many times, and and you've gotten some flack for it, men men and women are not the same. Society tells us that we're all the same, and we're not. There are many things that, that women are gifted at I just am not good at it all. And in every situation, you know, men and women look at it differently. And we need to recognize the differences and not, not highlight the differences to make one look better than the other, but to recognize the differences and see how they complement each other. The way we raise children is very different. You know, When a child falls, the dad says, get up. Walk it off. Maybe a bone protruding, but that's okay, just walk it off. But what does the mom do? The mom rushes to the child and comforts the child and kisses the boo-boos and takes care of those things. There's a difference. Is one better than the other? No, they complement each other. A child needs both. Study after study after study has shown that children develop best when they have clear male and female role models in in the household, not an ambiguous parent role model. They need to see how men react with women. They need to see how women react to men. They need to see what it means to be a woman and they need to see what it means to be a man. We have a bad habit of taking things to extremes and we have to guard against that. We like to pull verses out of context and, and, and you know, men like to pull the verses out of context and, and try and dominate the women with them. That's not what the Bible says. Satan has taken words out of context and tried to twist them into something else. The simple truth is, is if men and women, if, we, if we'll just stay focused upon God and focused on fulfilling our role in the family and let them fulfill their role in the family as they stay focused to God, we eliminate most of the problems almost immediately. The problems come when we start to get in each other's lanes, when we start to do each other's jobs, when we start to walk away from God. God made us different, and praise God for that. I would not want to be married to me. It says a virtuous woman is wise. It says her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praiseth her. Why is this? Because she opens her mouth with wisdom. She speaks with wisdom. She talks with wisdom. And what is that wisdom that she speaks and talks with? The wisdom that she speaks and talks with isn't from her. It's from this word. A wise woman teaches her children the Bible. When kids get to, get to church, the, you know, the role of, of junior church and the, and, and the classes over there that we do, that should be reinforcing what's being taught at home. The main source of instruction in the Bible needs to come from the household. And that's driven by the husband and by the wife. It needs to be adhered to, it needs to be role modeled by the husband and the wife, by the mother and the father, But here we're talking about the ladies, and it's important that the women teach the children, that they speak that wisdom into them. That's your job. That's your assignment. Men, we also teach the children, but we do it differently. And with both, the child becomes fully prepared to one day become a father or a mother, to become a virtuous man or a virtuous woman of their own. I want to take a moment... Before we have our time of invitation, I want to give you an opportunity to step up to the microphone and tell us something about your mom. Come on, Miss Doris. Well, you need that so that people at home can hear you. Yeah. My, my mother, I came from a, a uh, oh, well, I shouldn't
1: have done this. I, I can't do it. Uh, my mother was a Or yelled at you too much. Uh, she was awesome. She was awesome. And any time that we needed mother, mother was there. My father was uh, very strict, very strict. And uh, he had to think of, okay, one time, you know, he said, do it, do it. <laughs> but then mom would kind of soothe it down without ever saying she felt like he had gone a little bit farther than he should but mom was so good we had no money we didn't have any money that wasn't something that we even talked about (laughs) it wasn't there but she would make us a a really good food and I don't know where she got it all but she had. She did she had a little my dad did that my dad made a little uh, bed to go to get the things for us Somebody that I never could even come close to, and uh, I just I love her dearly. I love her dearly, but she never. I never heard my mother say anything bad about anyone that that, had, that came to her home, or that was mm-hmm. around. She, she just did not do it. People would uh, come, and, and mom <laughs> would give them something that we needed. Now, something that most of you probably don't even know, but uh, this was. During the war, Second World War, uh, they had, uh, uh, you had to have little things to get to anything. Uh, in our family, there were seven children, and mom and dad, so we got a lot of. Uh, shoot, I can't get it out. R-
0: ration cards. What the ration cards? Ration, yes. And so we had. A
1: Her mother's mother uh, come to her to get money, or not money, the things that she needed for her child. And here I was about to go <laughs> go down with mine, but it she did. It. The lady needed it. She felt like she needed it more than I did. So, <coughs> I and I, there are things now that I do that I catch myself doing what my mother would do. There's also things that I can. Father and not do this. He said don't do it.
0: don't do it. So. Good. All right. Somebody else? Get right up to the mic so they can hear you at home.
1: I think they'll hear me. Um, first and foremost, my mother had five children and she kept us all alive. Uh, she was my best friend. She was loving, caring, giving, as everybody's mother was, I'm sure. Um, but the biggest thing was that she was the granddaughter of a Baptist minister and a Baptist author. And so of all the great things that she gave to us and did for us, she definitely taught us to love the Lord. So I don't think there's many other things you can ask for. Great lady. I miss her dearly. No.
0: Somebody else? Danny? Danny?
2: Well, I'll tell you, I could be up here for a half hour talking about my mother. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> no, my mother, I'm sure most of you or all of you can say your mother was a wonderful person. Um, my mother was a wonderful person. Um, she was my best friend. Uh, she was born in 1914, and um, she married my father in 1932. Okay? And, um, of course, they traveled around a little bit. Dad was doing construction. And um, during the war, they worked in a defense plant, both of them, in Sydney, New York. And um, Dad was a machinist. They made airplane parts for the planes. Mom was a draftsman. Today, to be a draftsman, you've got to have a college education. She didn't have a college education. That's the way things were back in the 40s. You didn't, if you could do it, you got the job. And she drew beautifully. So after, um, she had um, a brother that was in World War II in Japan. And my dad had three or four brothers. One was killed at the Battle of the Bulge. So in 1952, now you think they got married in 1932. I came in 1952. And I was the only child. Mom had problems having with having childbirth. So I was the only child, and she was 39, oh no, even she was 39 and Dad was 49 when I was born. So in other words, having me that late in life, or, you know, for childbirth, for a mother to have ch- a ch- child, I was special, and my aunts and uncles would tell you that I was special. And she... She babied me, and my father always said I was babied, I was spoiled rotten, but she had a right because, you know, I was the only child, and she always was involved with anything I did, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, church, I went to church every Sunday up until I went in the Navy in 1971, and um, my aunt that lives, or did live in Virginia, she's, she was at my graduation and she could, say, she could see that something was not quite right with my mom. And of course, nobody thought anything about it, you know, but it was the fact that I'd grown up and I was graduating from high school. Um, that summer, I got the draft noticed to go to the Army and I said, nope, I'm not going to the Army, so I went to Navy. And um, I'm sure all this came back to my mom when her brother went and when he got drafted to go to World War II, you know, and all dad's brothers and stuff. Um, Because I think it affected her, because she got really sick after I left. She had a lot of health problems after I left uh, to go to boot camp and uh, while I was away in Spain and, you know, for two years, and uh, had to come home and emergency leave once. And um, she was in a hospital. And she'd had water on the brain, kidney problems, thyroid problems, high blood pressure. She had severe high blood pressure. She Her blood pressure would run 240 over 200. Wow. And her even her own doctor doesn't know how she survived, you know. They didn't have the medicine back then that they have today. But... Um, I think this started affecting her. She did smoke, you know. But um, um, when I got out, she was, she was quite sick. But my mother um, always knew to raise me to be respectful to people. She always um, was um, aware of who I hung out with. And she was always aware of the girls I dated. And I could not sneak home at night. No matter how far I turned the engine off on the car and coasted into the driveway, the minute I got there, boom, the light came on. Where have <laughs> you been? You know, and um, she, she had eyes in the back of her head. She really did. And um, she was a wonderful woman. And she was, she was part um, Tuscarora Indian. And uh, she was her ancestors came from England. So that's where I got my heritage from. And um, if you kind of want to see a, a mirror of what my mom was, look at me. Because I'm, I'm the person that doesn't have much of a temper, real easy going, and always smiling and happy. And that's the way my mom was. And um, she had a stroke in 1981 here in Florida. And she died in 1981. She never got to see her granddaughter, which was born in 1982. So anyway, that was my mom.
0: And for the record, people still say you're special. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody else? It's all the people in the front row. You notice that?
1: Not many people know that I live with my mother. Uh, I was living in one of the frame houses in town, and after one of them burned down and several people died, my mom convinced me that I needed to move in with her because she didn't want to go to my funeral. Uh, I've been living with her since 2001. Um, I've seen her go through a lot of changes because she's been sick. She has heart disease, and she's got a bunch of other stuff going on, and, um, but she's spunky, She's feisty, she wants to go out there and she wants to make quilts for everybody. And uh she's been my best friend since birth. And I love her to death. She's always there for me and always praised me for whatever I did.
0: She's the best. Very good. Somebody else.
1: circuit pastor. Yes. Yeah. And we were one of the ones that had to put uh, a lunch for them and take care of them when they could. Mm-hmm. And the chicken, Dad always had chickens out there. The chicken was uh what we always had chicken on sun on the Sunday we had you know, them for Sunday it was our time. And here we were the kids all sitting there watching to see he's got another one. Now yeah, we're not ever going to do it
0: I don't think they do circuit pastors anymore. I haven't heard of that in a while. That's funny. All right, No? Mm. Very good. Is my mom watching?
1: <laughs>
0: she, she, uh, I better say something nice. Now, like the rest of you, I had a, I had a great mom. And, and you know, we didn't have a lot, but we never went without. I don't know how she was able to pay for the things that, that she paid for. I know she worked quite a bit um, outside the home in order to pay for things and all. Of course, my dad worked. Um, but one of the things that kind of stuck with me I don't want to make a long story, but kind of stuck with me after I got older and realized how much she sacrificed for us, is this, this may seem insignificant, but it's it, it something I remember. She probably doesn't even remember it, but I remember it after I was grown, um, and I'd gotten uh, we got chicken, fried chicken, and growing up, we'd get, she'd cook a half a chicken, and I'd get the leg, my sister wanted the wing, my dad would get the breast, and she'd always take the thigh. And that's just the way it was. We knew exactly how it was divided up. You know, meat on a stick, that's, my, that's mine. And, and, you know, and, and so when we got older and my dad had left, and I don't even remember what the situation was, but something was, we were eating chicken, and I um, said something about her liking the thighs, and she let me know that she really didn't care for the thighs. And I'm like, but you've been eating thighs, you know, as long as I remember you. And she said, Cause that's, that was the only thing that was left. After the kids got what they wanted and dad got what he wanted, all that was left was the thigh from the half of the chicken or the back, but, um, and so she ate the thighs, and I don't know if she remembers us talking about that or not, but that really, and I knew she always made sacrifices for us, but that really kind of struck me as to how she, I never heard her complain, I never heard her say she didn't like the thighs, I mean, I always just assumed that was her piece of chicken, (laughs) so, but it's, uh, you know, that's that's what moms do, moms eat the burnt toast, right, so. Anybody else? We've got time for maybe one or two more? Want we'll to talk about your mom, Chip? Come on up to the mic.
2: No, I can't really uh, think about much to say, but I will say this: um, my entire life, I noticed, I, um, I noticed my mom is really good at um, putting putting um, um, me before herself. Uh, she, she's she's uh, really good at. Um, Putting me first and uh, me and uh, herself second, so she's. I will say. I will say that's 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 good mother, especially yep. she's been doing it all my life. Yeah. So I'll say that.
0: Thank you. Thank you.